Hey, you're listening to the GGC Life Podcast. Weekly messages from our Sunday services. We hope this message encourages you. Be blessed. Oh, glorious gospel church there in Sydney. Uh, Leo and Christine and your, your family uh, from Maritzburg, from South Africa. A huge hello. It's a great privilege for me to be able to address you guys uh, today. And um, we've so loved this partnership, even in the lockdown. We've had Leo preaching it out, Equip, Christine prophesying into it. And uh, really look forward to getting out to Oz next year if air travel opens up again. But until then, we've got to uh, do church like this. And so uh, I'm going to preach today on the subject of our mind. I'll tell you why, is that I really believe we have been assaulted, the church has been buffeted with uh, worldly thinking, we've been pressured into and conformed into thinking the way the world thinks about all sorts of things. Not all of it's been bad, some of it's been for health reasons, but, but I believe more than ever, our minds, Romans chapter 15, need to be lined up uh, with the attitude of that of Christ. And so if I had to entitle this morning's message, it would be the battlefield of our mind. Well, in Proverbs 23, it says, as a man thinks in his heart, so he is. In other words, sooner or later, the stuff that you're meditating on becomes a reality in your life. Now, I've had some tragedies unfold in the last few months. I've had to bury a few men who've decided they can't cope any longer. And so instead of going for help or thinking along the lines of Christ, they've embraced a mindset, a worldly mindset, and have taken their own lives. In addition to that, there have been many marriages that have fallen apart amongst our leadership team. A guy got up the, the other day, and he, he, he asked for a meeting with me and his wife, and, and he announced in the meeting with me and his wife that he was giving up Handed in the keys, says, I'm out of here. I can't provide for the family anymore. My reputation's in tatters. I'm out of here. He just left. A young woman got up the other day. Uh, two years of marriage. Husband thought they were wonderfully, blissfully married. But she'd been soaking herself in Netflix and TV movies week after week, night after night. She woke up one morning and decided, I don't want to be a married woman. Now, this is, this is not some marginal person who's just got saved. This was a leader in our church. We've had others who, who, who've got themselves in really compromising situations with people of the opposite sex. And I'm not talking about um, suspect characters here. I'm talking about people that have walked closely with God. What's happening? What's happening? How do you explain this? I mean... So some might say, well, look, this is lockdown's fault. We seem to all blame lockdown. The World Economic Forum has basically said that this is the biggest psychosocial experiment ever conducted on mankind, talking about the effects that it's going to have on us uh, psychologically ongoing. In fact, one quarter of those in Britain say that they are depressed right now. Anxiety levels are rising. We understand that. But, but as believers, how can a believer's mind uh, become to think along the patterns of this world so quickly and so effortlessly. Well, when the prophets spoke about our end times, they said one of the signs of the end times was going to be that the thinking of believers was going to get distorted. 
I mean, there's some amazing prophecies. In Daniel chapter 12, remember that prophecy that men and women are going to go to and fro across the earth, speaking quite clearly into our accelerated travel of airplanes and buses and trains. And, you know, those days, you didn't flit to and fro across the earth. You got on your horse and you went to the village next door. That verse also goes on to say that the knowledge of the world will greatly increase. Now, we know that every civilization builds on the knowledge and the expertise of the previous civilization, but, but not to that multiplied level. And so the Bible speaks very clearly into what it's going to be like in the end times. And one of the things that characterize end time reality is carnal thinking in the minds of believers. Paul puts it like this to, to Timothy. He warns Timothy, he says, but the Spirit explicitly says that in the last days, some will fall away from the faith, paying attention to deceitful spirits and the doctrine of demons. That's a terrifying thought, that people who were in the church, in the Christian circles, would fall away and follow worldly thought patterns. He goes on to describe what those patterns look like in 2 Timothy 3.1. He says, but understand this, that in the last days, that's the days we're living in now, there will come times of difficulty for people will be lovers of self, lovers of money, proud, arrogant, abusive. When the church begins to think in those ways, it's a sign we're living in the end and it's a sign that the mind has been let loose the way of the world. And so I'd like to speak particularly today on that the issue of the Christian mind. And we need to guard our mind because we're living in these last and perilous days. And there is great pressure to conform. And some of that conforming is for our good in terms of uh, health and protocols, etc. But there is much that is washing across the church today that is secular and worldly and anti-faith and anti-Christ. And so I'm gonna use three pictures to help us understand God's plan for our thinking. Our mind is like a movie theater. Our mind is like a courtroom. And our mind is like a battlefield. And I'm going to use those pictures to try and illustrate God's plan for your thinking, your mind, your thought life. So firstly, our mind is like a movie theater. In that, it can grab raw material and produce Images that elicit emotion in us and cause us to act. That's why the TV advertising world exists, isn't it? We see pictures, we see movies, we, we've got this ability to join the dots. Our, even a bad movie, our mind just compensates for bad movies and, and, and plays out in front of us and elicits all sorts of feelings inside of us. And then that proverb 23 comes into into prophetic fulfillment, is it? Whatever we think, however a man thinks, so he is. Because it, it plays in our mind, it elicits feelings and causes us to act and it, it almost becomes like a, a prophetic propulsion, a prophetic magnet that draws us into our future. If we let those movie reels go in our mind, it has a, a, a very definite effect on us. I can remember when I was a little guy, uh, Birthday party time back in the 70s. Didn't have DVDs, didn't have video cassettes even. It had those old-fashioned movie reels. Remember the ones that you, you threaded through? 
and dad would get one of these things. It would be either an army movie or a western movie, beam it up on the lounge floor. The little six and seven-year-olds would sit there and watch, get more and more hyped up. I don't remember any of those movies. I do remember, though, at the end of the movie, the lion would go, it always ended with a lion doing that. And that was like the signal to charge outside, and we were just so worked up because of what we had seen in the movie and what had gone on in our mind and the emotions that elicited that we enacted what we'd seen in the movie in the garden, and it was like bloody warfare. Uh, the moms used to make sure they came and picked us up as the lion went. They would always ask, when's the movie going to end? Because they would want to save little Johnny from the destruction of the garden afterwards. What am I saying? I'm saying our minds are like movie theaters. And they charge us and they affect us and they influence us. And so, and so we able to, just with a scant amount of information, construct movies in our minds. And so we've got to be very careful what we load into the movies of our mind. Hebrews it says this, that God writes his laws on our hearts and he writes his law on our mind. In Colossians, Paul warns, he says that be careful that in your minds you don't become enemies of Christ. And, and so when Paul writes to the Philippians, he says, look, you need to load the appropriate movie reels up there. This is what he says in Philippians 4. Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, Whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Whatever you have learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, put into practice, and the God of peace will be with you. A couple of things out of that text. He's, he's basically saying, if you load the right movie reels in there, God's peace is what you enact. And, and when he talks about those movie reels, he's talking about loading thoughts that are wholesome and allowing people like Paul into your mind. So here's the question. Who are you allowing into your mind? Who has the, the predominant uh, voice in your, your mind? I heard someone say the other day, if you devote more time to watching CNN and the news and the internet than you do to your Bible, then you are in charge and you are responsible for the degradation of your own mind. If we allow uh, the movie reels of secular society to, to be constantly loaded in our thinking, uh, what's going to happen is that it's going to affect our destiny. Uh, Paul puts it like this to the Ephesians. He says that when you allow God into your mind. This is what he prays to the, uh, for, for the Ephesians. He says, I pray that the eyes of your heart will be enlightened, that you will know him better. As you allow the word in and godly influence in, he opens up your mind to see him. And there he presides over your future. There he presides over the calamities and the epidemics of this world. If you don't load him in, the narrative that goes on in your mind is secular, worldly, and hopeless. Not only does he show you himself, but he shows you his plans. He says in Ephesians chapter 3, Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than we dream or imagine. In other words, not only does he want to show you himself, 
He wants to show you his plans for you into the future. And so our minds are like a movie house. And my challenge to you, church, today is to load the reels of the word of godly people, get into fellowship again, and, and allow the narrative of heaven and the sanctifying work of the Spirit to have its way in you and so dictate what your life becomes. Not only is our mind like a movie house, our mind is like a courtroom. Uh, we make many judgments, don't we? We uh, set ourselves up very often as judge, as jury. We line up the witnesses and, and we cast sentences, pronounce sentences on people. It's part of being human. We, we have this capacity and we slip into it very, very easily. Let me give an illustration. If your wife, sir, says to you, you can't go play golf, or I want you home by a certain time, and you comply, but you do so unwillingly, you, you might start a little court case in your mind. She's been very unreasonable. You might even phone one or two people to, to get some witnesses to back your argument. And by the time you've got home and you've stewed over it and you've mulled over the proceeds and the issues of the court case, uh, pronounce a judgment on your wife that she's been harsh on you, that she's been ugly to you, and that you are in fact angry. And, and we do that time and time again. We, we do that if our business partner makes a mistake with the, with the finances or he goes into a bad deal on our behalf. We line up the witnesses and, and suddenly we, we, we cast a judgment of unforgiveness. And, and this is how our mind so easily works. The, the problem with it is that our witnesses are generally biased. Our, uh, we, we wind up being the judge and the witness and the advocate in the whole case. You know what you call that? You call that like a kangaroo court. You call that street justice. I don't know if you guys have been following what's been going on in America right now, but there are some cities. Month after month, people have just decided, we don't care what the Supreme Court says. We don't care what the Constitution says. We don't care what the politicians or our leaders say. We deciding this is not appropriate. And so we're taking law into our own hands. It's mob justice. It's street law. It's, it's illegitimate. Now the reality, friends, there is a courtroom in heaven with a judge on the throne. And there is a great advocate there. His name is Jesus and the Constitution is not your uh, guiding light, neither is your conscience. The Constitution in heaven is the Word of God. That is the, the great standard by which things are judged. And in fact, the reality is every one of our judgments need to go up to review at the Supreme Court of Heaven. And when we don't allow that to happen, and we allow our judgments to be cast, and our judgment and our sentences to be outworked on earth, divorced from the Supreme Court of Heaven. Uh, we get sucked into kangaroo courts and mob justice and our thinking then becomes aligned with that of the world. That's why a man can reach for a revolver and decide in his own mind that he needs to end his life. Why? Because he's, he's been found guilty in a kangaroo court. That's why a man can walk into my office and he can say, away with my wife. Why? Because he's made a judgment which is flawed with biased and um, uh, contaminated witness, witnesses and evidence. No, no, friends, this is the reality, that, that, that God is in heaven, and that every single one of us 
are able to come before him. And, and, and the reason we come before him, because Jesus has declared that we are righteous. Some of you are saying, well, I'm not really very righteous. No, no, you are the righteousness of Christ. If you've accepted Jesus as Lord and Savior, God sees the righteousness of Christ over you, which means you can come into his courtroom, you can come into his presence, and, and he can pronounce the judgments. He, he, even, even when we've announced judgments, he can overrule our judgments if we surrender to the, the Supreme Court of Heaven. You, you're saying, Grant, I, I don't know that... Um, how that practically works. Well, well let, me, let me tell you how it works. Is that the prophet Isaiah put it this way. He said, when you're speaking about Jesus coming, I think it was Isaiah chapter nine, he says that, you know, unto us a child is born, unto us a king is given. And it talks about his government. And it says, of his government and peace, there will be no end. Where the judgments of heaven are pronounced, where the governments of heaven uh, have their way, peace will be no end. And so when we are able to take the arguments in our mind and the decisions we have to take in our mind and submit them to the Supreme Court of Heaven, this is our outcome. Philippians 4 puts it this way. Rejoice in the Lord always. Why can you rejoice? Because there's a, there's a judge in heaven who's, who's arbitrating over all these cases. And I will say it again, rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything. You don't have to be anxious about the future, about what's going on around you, about what's right and what's wrong because there is one on his throne. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God and the peace of God, which transcends all understanding. In other words, it does not make human sense. It does not make counseling sense. It transcends all human understanding. Will guard your hearts and mind in Christ Jesus. You, you're saying, Grant, but practically my, my marriage is a mess. Yeah, you know why? Because, because it's, it's, it's resting under a kangaroo court judgment. My business partnership relationship is a mess. Yes, because there have been judgments declared. There have been guilty findings made. Listen, we're all guilty before God. And yet Jesus comes and he says, listen, you're guilty, you're guilty, but but." But I am going to forgive, I'm going to cleanse, and, and you can come into my presence, and he empowers you to take corrective action, to live in his peace, to offer the forgiveness that he offers, and to bring healing. And, and, and those judgments bring life the other end of them. Our minds are like cinemas. Our minds are like courtrooms. But what I really want to speak about today is our mind is also like a battlefield. We, we fight many battles. Sometimes it's not judgment, sometimes it's not thinking through things, it's just we are fighting on many fronts, fighting on the home front, fighting on the work front. We win some battles, we lose some battles. We've got different strategies, some we kill with neglect, others we go on attack. But, but we argue things through, we wrestle things through. Our mind is very often like a battlefield. Now, what the Bible says is that the, the greatest battle we will ever fight will be the battle for our soul. And the way we win that battle is through surrender. The, the way uh, we win is we lose. The way we gain is we give it up. 
what we do is we, we hoist that white flag of surrender and say, I am no longer able to lead, to save, to rule over my own life, and I give my entire life to you. And I, it's like I, I surrender on this battlefield of my soul, and, I, and I, I plant that white flag of surrender, and I declare you to be my Lord. That, that for every single one of you who have become a believer, is, is what you've done. Now, the reality is, though, that even in big battles, once a battle is won, very often there's a, there's a group that hasn't heard the result of the battle. And they're hiding out in a forest somewhere or they're hiding out in a village somewhere. And, and they haven't heard of the general surrender. And, and so they carry on fighting. Now, generally what would need to happen is word need to get to them that actually need to put down your arms. But in some instances, and you'll know that if you're a student of history, this vigilante group fights to the bitter end. Now, that same thing happens with us. And Paul borrows that metaphor in Corinthians when he, when he talks about strongholds. He says that um, you can surrender your life to Christ, but you can keep a vigilante uh, group, you can keep an isolated vigilante area of your life away from the surrender of Christ. The, the word stronghold is an Old Testament phrase that refers to that tower or the bunker in a village, which was the last bastion of defense. So when the enemy comes in, you'd run into your tower, get up on top there, pour boiling water or rocks over as your last bastion of defense before you were totally swamped in. And so Paul borrows this term when he says Jesus comes into your life, he comes and he floods over the wall, you surrender, but, but it's possible that you leave a stronghold outside of his rule. So the battlefield, you've surrendered to God, but there's an area of your thinking that you keep dark, that you keep vigilante. He calls that a stronghold. Let me read the text to you. The weapons, this is 2 Corinthians chapter 10, the weapons we fight with are not the weapons of the world. On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. So he's saying, Christians, listen, you, you have some weapons. They're not the same as everybody else fights with, and these weapons can break down strongholds. And he describes the stronghold. We demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God and we take captive every thought and make it obedient to Christ. Aha. So that stronghold is an argument and a pretension that sets itself up against Christ in the mind of a Christian. So in other words, if you say, God, you can flood and have my soul, give me eternity, but don't touch my sexuality. I want to keep that dark. That's a stronghold. Are you going to heaven? Yes. Is he your Lord and Savior? Yes, except in that area. Or maybe, God, you can have my life, you can have my family, you can have my sexuality. There's one thing you can't touch. You can't touch my money. I don't want your way of handling my money. I want my way of handling my money. That's an argument and a pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. It's a stronghold. And so our minds are like battlefields. And as Christians, we've surrendered. And what God's looking for is little white flags all over but it's possible that we have a stronghold, this vigilante group. 
that's still waging war on the battlefield against God, even though we've surrendered to God. And if we allow those vigilantes to carry on too long, they will wreak havoc as a man thinks, so he is. How is it that a Christian can take out a gun? How is it that a Christian can give up his wife? How is it a Christian can give up his reputation? Why? Because he has a stronghold, because he has a vigilante group that says, I'll give everything to God, but that thing I'm not going to give to God. Now the great encouragement from this text is that Paul says to you and to me, we don't have to think like everybody else thinks in the last days. We don't have to be counted among the Christians who have this darkened way and this darkened uh, destiny. No, we have weapons that are mighty to the tearing down of these vigilante strongholds. And they're not the weapons that you would think they are. What weapons are they? Well, let me tell you. They're weapons of repentance and confession. When you repent and confess, that's the way the wall comes down. When you repent of your vigilante behavior and you confess, in other words, you, you, you allow the light of God into the stronghold, the wall comes tumbling down. You say, Grant, confession, isn't that like old-fashioned? Isn't that like a little bit Catholic? 1 John says this. You confess your sins one to another. And not, not just saying I'm sorry. If you confess your sins one to another, he is faithful and just to forgive you and to cleanse you of all unrighteousness. So, so what's that verse saying? Some people have said, well, that's, that, that actually is not the life of a Christian. That, that's talking about Gnostics. No, actually, if you look at the whole of 1 John, he, he's talking to believers. Believers, this is how you shine the light of the gospel. This is how you shine the light of Christ into an area of your life that is, has set itself up against God. Tell another believer that you trust. Tell a leader that you trust. Confess it. Bring it out into the open and allow the light of God in. And as you do that and as you repent, that comes tumbling down and the lordship of Christ takes over and, and the surrender flag goes up and, and the mind lines up, is sanctified, becomes like the mind of Christ. Our minds are like movie theaters. We've got to ask God to give us grace on what to load there. I'm not saying we've got to become all legalistic and say, don't watch movies, don't watch adverts. I'm not, I'm not saying that. I'm saying load into the movie reels of your mind the word of God and good witness, good friends, good testimony. When we make decisions of judgment against people, and we do it all the time, we've got to continue surrender that to the Supreme Court of Heaven where we understand we're all guilty, but that our advocate allows us into the very Supreme Court, a very courtroom bench, and there he, he gives us a sentence and the, the wherewithal to go and bring remedial action. And then the surrender, my friends. Sur surrender, when, when our battles rage in our minds. Th this is how God brings us into alignment with Christ. It's through confession and repentance. Uh, there is a real battle going on for the, the minds and the thinking of Christians around the world. I trust that this, this message today has, has encouraged you to run to him, has encouraged you to run to his word. And I'd like to pray for you now as I, as I close. I'd like to pray that, 
the Holy Spirit comes and brings conviction and, and that the Holy Spirit comes and brings alignment and that we would be counted among those who think and have the same attitude and mind as Christ. Let's pray together. If you've come to the meeting today and uh, you know that you've tried to engage God on your own terms and, and you've realized today that you need to surrender. Whoever calls on the name of the Lord will be saved, will be rescued. You need to confess that he's your Lord. In other words, that he's in charge. He's your master. It says in Romans chapter 10, if you confess with your mouth that he's your Lord and you believe God raised him from the dead, you'll be saved. If you realize today that you need to surrender to Christ, you need to turn your life over to him, then pray this prayer of surrender with me. Hoist this white flag of surrender right now. Lord Jesus, I surrender to you. I turn my life over to you. I ask you to forgive my sin. I ask you to come upon me by the power of your Holy Spirit to make me born again. Make me a new creation. Bring me into your family. I can't do it on my own. I surrender. I ask you to be my Lord. I ask you to be my master. I ask you to take charge. In Jesus' name, amen. If you prayed that prayer, I'm going to suggest that you speak to a leader that's with you there today. Now, for everybody else that, that really uh, love the Lord and are listening to today, uh, if, you, if you know that there are areas in your life that, that you've, you've engaged in vigilante injustice, or, or, or you've... Um, You've got a stronghold that, is, that has set itself against God. The work of the Holy Spirit is to, is to convict you of sin, to lead you into truth, and to come upon you. And uh, I'm going to suggest right now, just before the throne of heaven, surrender your lives to Christ afresh. Lord Jesus, I pray by the power of your Spirit, you'd come upon your church. Where thinking has been out of alignment, where it has become carnal and secular, I pray that your grace would be there, that your power would be there, that your refreshing would be there, that your renewing would be there. Come Holy Spirit, in Jesus' name. Amen. You've been listening to the GGC Life Podcast. We hope this message has encouraged you. For more, please visit our website, ggclife.com. Or email us, ggclife at ggclife.com. From our house to yours, be blessed.